When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the rugby run on SCNZ. This is SENZ. It is uh, the Rugby Run. Ricardo Paul and Justin Marshall with you. And Marshy, uh, pleasure to have you in the studio. Mate, makes a change from looking at you on the screen. Sure does. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ricardo. Good afternoon to everybody else. It is uh, nice to be in the City of Sales and be in studio. Um, well, it's pretty cosy and nice in here, isn't it? And there's not uh, a shortage of sport. To, to look at either, so um, yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, if you haven't been in the studio, we've seen the studio before. There's uh, there's five screens showing sport. There's another one with our frequencies updating on it. And then there's yeah. the one behind us that uh, tells you what you're looking at. So it's very impressive. I tell you what, I am looking at now. This is the first time I've seen it because they did uh, now that they changed the law on for rugby mm. the ability to wear tights. Now, when I right. say tights, let's not think aerobics. Like skins, oh, you mean? Skins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's a game uh, for my old club, which is Saracens in the UK at the moment, that's being played, Saracens versus Leicester, and uh, they, one of the players is wearing those skins, and that, that turf is AstroTurf, actually, and uh, I know it's integrated, but it can, if you get it wrong, rip the skin off you. So, yeah, yeah it's quite interesting. That's the first player I've ever seen use that in, in that league of of the game you know to go up to the to to that uh i guess style yeah um to, to be able to sort of integrate that in fact there's a winger as well. So what, there you go, a halfback and a winger. I was going to say, what a surprise, it's two of the backs. That's right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've played on uh, turf before, played football mm. on, on yep. turf before. Yep. And yeah, I mean, like... Honestly, I, I'm, I, I love a lunging, uh, a lunging sliding tackle, and it's not the that's not the thing to do. But you you forget and you do, you do it, and then yep. you've got all of a sudden no skin left on the front of your leg. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the way that the modern game is going. The fact that the, the surfaces now that the, the players play on, you don't have to deal with what you used to, uh, even without the integration mm. of the the sort of synthetic and, and with real grass. Uh, you know, you don't you don't have muddy fields anymore. You know, there were times where you'd go along to the game and, and all I'd be staring at was the Fords ripping out their 18 mils, putting in their 21s, some of them with the file out. <laughs> but, you know, that, that because you were dictated 
to by what sort of surface you were going to be playing on. It could be heavy and it could be sticky, and and it makes it a bit more of a grind. But now you're just on top of the grass the whole time. So that's an evolution of the game that players of the modern game, outside of your club footy, don't have to deal with um, worrying about that type of field anymore. Yeah, well, it used to be, from memory, that 18s were the longest legal in rugby union, yeah. but rugby league could go up to about 22. Yeah. And so most players had two sets of boots. And you right. had the one set the referees looked at and the That's one right. set you put on when you went out on the field. That's right. Or <laughs> the referee would come in early enough that once they'd checked the boots, those those tags <laughs> got taken out and then, then the actual ones got put in. But And, and that was the days, obviously, with, with rucking as well. So, yeah, you, you knew about it if somebody had uh, longer than 18 mil Tags on their, on their boots. I used to work years ago um, at a Sterling Sports, right, when I first yes, left school. Yes. I worked at a Sterling Sports, and the difference in the uh, width of the top of the stud, yeah. or the tag as you call them, like the, between the, those 22 mil league sprigs, they, they, they were probably maybe only half a centimetre across at the top, yes. whereas the rugby ones, the 18s, tended to be more rounded. Rounded off, yeah. yeah. They, they, were, they, were, they were lethal needle like those uh, 22s, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. Well, those, those days are long gone now. You yeah. definitely need all sorts of protection if they were still, still legal <laughs> in the modern game. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what. Well, you know, they, they often say they could sort out a lot of the problems with the modern game in terms of rules and and um, how complicated it can get by just letting rucking come back. But, you know, they took it out for a reason. Yeah, yeah they did for player safety, obviously. And, um, you know, it, it was to a degree at times when it wasn't controlled. Uh, could could be quite barbaric to a degree. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you could see... The damage that it did, particularly to, to loose forwards who got themselves on the wrong side of a ruck. But it was a huge deterrent. I do know that much, particularly for backs. Yeah. Uh, you had to make sure that you were pretty pretty clear and obvious that you were going to get a turnover or it was actually worth going into the other side of the ruck um, and taking that gamble because you knew if you got it wrong, you are going to get a shoeing. And... Uh, and and it made you reluctant the next time, you know, yeah. like mentally you thought, right, oh, okay, that hurt. Yeah, uh, I got it. I got it wrong, and they got me. So next time, I've got to be more accurate, or just don't do it. Yeah, well, no, that's the other thing. It's like if you put your hand on top of the ball to stop the ball coming out. Yeah. Oh, uh, you look out. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. But, <laughs> but uh, you don't have to look out for that anymore. And I think that, uh, like a lot of rugby purists would say, is, is a big part of the problem as to where we are now. Well, well, it is, and obviously they've also um, made a huge shift in, in making sure that a cleaner wraps the arm now as well, and. That was never really policed either uh, back in the day where you could just launch yourself in there and remove somebody uh, and and that could be quite confrontational as well but they now obviously are very clear that you have to be on your feet yeah, uh, and you know you have to be in a good position like a plane taking off etc and, um, and you have to try and wrap the arm to clean somebody out so yeah, a lot of I guess getting hurt at, at the breakdown has been taken out of the game but, but for good reasons yeah. I guess like we've got to Continue to protect the players, and and they are getting bigger and stronger. And did yeah. you see uh, Bundy Arkey last weekend? Did you see what he's been suspended for? Yeah, I did see that. I yeah. mean, cause for me, I mean, it was it, it it wasn't something when I first watched it. I went, oh yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I watched it. Oh, you've seen that a hundred times. Yes. Um, but he did collect him with his with in the head with his shoulder. That's right. But I mean, you could argue that if the referee had blown the whistle um, a second earlier, you know, I mean, yeah. he, he could have given a penalty for. For either not supporting your weight, if you're the jackler, or for the guy on the on the ground not releasing. So yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's the area where I think everybody's looking for consistency. Mm. You know, like 
there's you're, they're looking at intent. Um, a good thing that I feel that they've made a shift towards, and this is world rugby in conjunction with the referees, is they've they've made they've made a shift in saying that that we 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 will show um, mediation towards the impact that it has on on the player. You know, and, and I think that's a good thing. You know, look, you, you certainly don't want it to get to the point where it has to be a disaster for them to go heav- heavily sanctioning people. But you know, if, if the player lands safely or has not been affected, um, yes, it may have looked like he got hit in the head, but he's doesn't need a HIA. He's he's fine. The impact must have been soft, or it must have been a ricochet, anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're using that as mitigation now, and I think that that's a, that's a clear step forward in saying. We'll look at both scenarios, yeah. Uh, but we'll make sure we won't ruin games and we won't ruin individuals' careers by over-policing it when the impact on the receiving player, it, it, he's okay, he's fine. I suppose what the thing that stands out to me, you t- you're talking about that, um, yeah. the the recent one is Will Jordan against the Wallabies last yeah. time out. You know, he got taken in the air, yes. bounced straight back up, That's and the right. referee went, okay, fine, carry on. Then. Yeah, yeah, equally. Equally, and also uh, one of the... I think it was Dalton Papali'i. Yeah, he he got uh, basically nearly spear tackled into the ground, uh, but there was mitigation in in that as well. They felt that it just warranted a penalty, mm. uh, and that you know again he 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 landed safely. Took a few you know a minute to get up just to regather himself, but you know, some argued it possibly could have been a yellow. Um, but they, they looked at everything and saw that it was more clumsy than anything, and he did land on another player, which braced his fall and all those sorts of things. So. I'm pleased that they've taken a step in that direction, mm. um, that, that we're not getting games ruined uh, by just towing down the line of, if it's above the uh, horizontal and the hips are uh, 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 that, in that way, then um, right, straight yellow or possibly red, red card, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, totally. Long totally. may it continue. But, well, exactly. Uh, I mean, and that brings um, to... Uh, to mind the Darcy Swain suspension, right? Mm. He, now he got six weeks. That I mean, he could have got twelve. I felt I felt like it was bad enough that he probably should have got twelve because it definitely yeah. looked yeah. like he intended to do it. But now that we know that Quintu Pai is out for nine months, there has of course that arguments come up again. If it's so obvious and so blatant as to what Darcy Swain did, mm. should he be suspended for as long as the player takes to recover from his injury? Yeah, well, that's you know, and it, there's valid rationale behind that in, in trying to determine you know intent and and the consequences that it has had on someone like Quinta Pye, emerging player. You know, he's been incredibly successful since getting into the All Blacks. Had some breakout uh, couple of seasons, and and now he's he's a victim of someone else's thuggery, and and because of that, he loses massive momentum in his career. Possibly jeopardises his opportunity to go to a Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are lots of negatives uh, in the outcome of this. Um, look, I, again, when, when, I, when I look at it, tr- trying to do that objectively, I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, did, did Darcy Swain, was he reckless or was he reckless with intent? Did he have the skill set to go in there and, and, and on purpose cause that injury to, injury to Quinta Pye's leg in that split second? Mm. I'm not convinced that he did. I, I felt that he was incredibly reckless and he rolled the dice by going in on that particular angle and at that part of the body Yeah, that something could go wrong. But I don't think he intentionally thought, I'm going to bust his knee. Yeah, it was an interesting one because if he had just gone in with the shoulder, yeah, 
I would I'd agree with you. Yeah. But the fact that he wrapped that arm wrapped first, the arm. Yep. that made it look more intentional. Yeah. And, and, but that's that, that, that is a, there's a lot of malice in that. And, yep. and to be able to execute that and do it and effectively take a guy out by busting his medial ligaments and and, 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 and doing that amount of damage... Um, you know, there, there, there's. I think there's. What I'm saying is, I feel there's also there's an element of clumsiness or a fluke in there that he's managed to do that. But I totally concur with the fact that he's on the wrong angle. He shouldn't be um, reaching in around like that. So whatever he's going to do is going to have some form of consequence, and 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 possibly cause damage. You know, because Quintipai did fall as well. Yeah. Backwards because of the weight of uh, other players that were in there. So that helped the situation, and it didn't. Um, it didn't look great from Darcy Swain's perspective. Look, in a nutshell, uh, he should have got longer. Yeah. Um, I certainly, I don't think you can you can go out and ban him for the same amount of time as Tapai. I know how that feels. But as rugby players, when we play the game professionally, uh, look, look, I got. I, it took me a while to get over to George Smith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that. That was that was well late, and yeah. my my ribs were exposed, and uh, he just got penalised. That's all he got, but it broke my ribs yeah. and took me out of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, and took me out of rugby. Well, didn't take me out of rugby for a massive amount of times because it was the end of the year. But you know, he, he ruined my rugby world cup, and that was early in the game, and we're still in the game. So this is in two thousand three, if people can't remember. And he hit me after I passed the ball, and it was that far late that I, I was watching the pass and making my way to the next breakdown. When bang, I felt that shoulder into my ribs, and I was massively exposed. And 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 it took me a while mentally to. To get over the fact that he was coming at me, um, maybe there was a target because that was a, a ploy of ours to use me off the line out as that first receiver. We'd done it a lot and I had plenty of options. Knowing Eddie Jones, mm. it's like get up there, stop stop it at source, stop Marshall from distributing there. George Smith has come at me hard. He's got his timing wrong. Did he intentionally um, try to break my ribs? No. Did he intentionally try to hurt me? Ah, possibly to a degree, but he probably tried to... Let, let me know that he's going to be there every time I get that ball. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so you've got to try and take that that's part of the game as well. Yeah. And it took me a while to process that. And George Smith and I would have a good laugh and a beer over it since. But, you know, this is the situation that we're talking about with those two players. You know, it would be really interesting to, th- to know how Quintapaya feels about it. Yeah, it would be. Um, and, and what his mental attitude towards... Darcy Swain is, you know, you did that on purpose to me. I'm never going to forgive you. And if I get my chance again yeah. in a game, you better watch out for me because I'm going to get you back. Yeah. You know, totally. or is he like, you know, shit happens. This wasn't great. Um, I, I'm not sure. That I, I'm sure he was reckless, clumsy, but I'm not sure he intended to do that to me. Yeah. Don't know. It's so, a hard one. It's a hard one, eh? It is, it is. And I think a lot of that thing goes back to the judiciary because they could have given Swain 12 weeks. He should have got 12. They gave him six. And I didn't understand that. It's too that. light. Yeah. And that's why we're arguing about it now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had headbutted a palm in the previous test yep. series, right? Yeah. So it's not like he didn't have previous this season. You can't yeah. give him... Leniency for good behaviour. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, not being. I'm contradicting myself here because yep. I'm, I'm saying, I feel the sanction was too light. Yeah, but I don't believe it could be 
any further than 12 weeks and go into that into that, nine that conversation of you yeah. know geez it needs to be three months because quintapai's got nine i'm not i'm not on that page yeah yeah, yeah. i'm with you i'm with you marcia it's mm. interesting though i've definitely seen that debate happening on social media oh, around I'm when, sure. <laughs> when that came out <laughs> this is the rugby run on senz ricardo paul justin marshall with you it is a quarter past one coming up on the show uh, leon mcdonald the new all blacks 15 coach is going to join us and we'll talk to him about what that looks like and uh what is what his plans for that team are. Uh, we're also going to uh, talk some uh, Rugby World Cup because, of course, the Women's Rugby World Cup kicks off next weekend. Up next, though, Grant Nisbet joins us. We're going to talk permutations from the NPC. It's 20 past one here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. Fire uh, through text, if you like. 8833 is our Tipper Post text machine. Or you can call us at 0800 150 811. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller with us now. Grant Nisbet, how are you, sir? G'day, boys. I'm good, thank you. It's a story, Nisbo. Um, I know uh, you were on comms yesterday with Marshy in that big game in Dunedin, Otago versus Canterbury. That was a that was a great advert for the NPC, wasn't it? And man, that Otago team. I know they didn't win, but they got some great young kids coming through. Yeah, they have absolutely. Um, I thought young Fabian Holland, who's only 19, said to Marshy uh, after the game, "I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of this bloke," and he impressed a lot of people too. He had. He had good aggression. He's a big boy. I mean, he must be, he must be six foot seven in the old language, and um, he's probably still learning the game in many ways because um, you know he was born in the Netherlands, so he wouldn't have had a background in rugby as a young kid, and uh, I think he's got unlimited potential. I think I made the comment at the end of the game. Otago will probably be the the best team to miss the playoffs, um, although you know, Tasman people may argue with that if they go out this afternoon, but. No, I think Otago can be pretty proud of the way they've played uh, this year. They've had a few lapses, but which team hasn't? But they really fronted up last night. Six foot eight, Nisbo just looked him up. You're right, six eight, man. He's uh, he's he's sizable. He's a big big unit and 118 kegs, and at 19, he's only going to get bigger. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, about Tasman because they they started poorly. They've come back towards the end, but that start has really cost them, I think, and I, I mean, I don't see Manawatu upsetting Northland, I, I think Tasman are done. I think you're right, yeah, and, and it's a bit of a shame from uh, Tasman's point of view, I, I did a game, and I'm trying to remember where it was, and um, anyway, we, we put out a list of, um, just wrote a, a, a team out that um, who wasn't there, it included a whole lot of All Blacks and a whole lot of injured players. And it was a, it was a pretty damn good team. So they've had to rely on on a bit of depth, and you know it's not a major region in New Zealand, so they might struggle a bit with depth. So I think they've done pretty damn well to get where they have. Really, they got a couple of All Blacks back the other night, but um, there are a few that they didn't get back. Um, so you know they didn't have the likes of David Avili or Tyrell Lomax or Finley Christie. Uh, they they are the sort of players who make a difference. And if you don't have access to them, and you don't have tremendous depth in in the region then you are going to battle, that's for sure. Good afternoon, Nisbo. Hey, I hope those blackjack tables or the pokies were, were kind to you when I left you last night. Um, they're, they're supposed <laughs> to pay for our beers next weekend. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, mate, I'm, I, I didn't lose anything, mate. I didn't lose anything. Um, I didn't make a hell of a lot either, to be fair. <laughs> that, that's good old gambling, isn't it? So much fun. Hey, I uh, wanted to ask you um, about what we've got coming up this afternoon, first of all, because... There's still plenty on these two games, uh, and um, you know this. And in this current format, your thoughts on it? You know, there was a lot of chat about 
uh, having the odds and evens and moving forward was the, uh, going in the right direction. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think they've done the right thing, actually, Marcia. I, I think back to what it used to be like. You had a uh, you had a premier number seven team, and only only one of those teams could win the premiership. The only incentive for the teams playing in the I think they called it the championship uh, back in those days. The only incentive there was uh, that you had the chance to gain promotion to that kind of first division. So there wasn't a hell of a lot of incentive. Um, and if you made a poor start, then your season sort of fell away almost immediately. Whereas in this one, we've had teams who have been up and down all over the place, but they've still had an opportunity to make that top four. Only three teams from each division, each division miss out. So I think that um, they've done the right thing here. They've created some real interest. Uh, we've got quarterfinals, semifinals and final. Previously, we didn't quite go that far. So I think it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think the, the only real irony in the whole thing is that um, uh, dear old Barnsley at Taranaki, who made all the, all the comments and things uh, after an unbeaten season last year, uh, they just haven't stepped up this year at all and, and, and they won't feature next week. No, they won't. And I've, I mean, I've got to say, we'll talk more about that later, but how good uh, was Stephen Pettifetta for them yesterday? I mean, they really gave Auckland a fright, didn't they? I mean, could be a, a whole different discussion on that Northland game because it could be Auckland that potentially miss out uh, with, the, with the way that that game was going. But they did they did get it won. Nisbo, what did you make of the uh, news that we got yesterday that Auckland were going to play Roger Tuivasa-Shek at 14, but apparently that didn't come from the rugby union? Hmm. Yeah, um, interesting call. Um, I saw a bit of that game. I didn't see all of it. Um, I, I saw a half, and the half that Auckland played pretty poorly, actually, and Taranaki had a big lead at halftime, so the poor bloke hardly saw the ball from what I could see. I mean, he was doing his best to get involved, but it's damn hard to get involved out on the wing if um, you know if conditions aren't that flash, which they weren't. Um, so it, it was... It was an interesting call. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-black winger. I think if he's ever going to be in the all-blacks on a consistent basis, it's most likely going to be in the midfield somewhere. So, yeah, it was an interesting call. It'd be interesting to know exactly what RTS himself thought of it. In saying that, Nisbo, what have you felt about uh, the talent that you've seen come through in, in this year's competition? Obviously, super rugby sides will be coming out probably uh, the end of the month. Uh, do you think there are some pl- emerging players that have put their hand up, or do you think uh, the status quo that exists within New Zealand, there's not many people leaving our shores uh, at this stage with the Rugby World Cup knocking on the door next year that uh, those Super Rugby sides will look as familiar as usual? Yeah, I don't think they miss too many good players in Super Rugby, Marshy, to be honest. I think the scouts are out there and they do a damn good job team I'll be interested in, and I'm sure you'll be too, because we had a bit of a chat about it last night, it'll be this team that, that plays the Barbarians at mm. uh, Wembley. Um, that'll give us some indication, because the national selectors are picking that team, aren't they? And that'll give us some indication as to who they see as the next tier of players. I guess it'll be, I guess it'll be almost the third tier, because take out the 35 All Blacks that are going on tour, it's the next group. And, uh, and that next group could include guys, um, as I mentioned earlier, like Fabian Holland. Um, and, and we'll get some indication, I think, from the national selectors exactly who they see as the blokes coming through, not for necessarily next year's World Cup, but maybe the one after. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, all right, uh, Nisbo. I mean, we've got Leon McDonald coming on the show in a little bit, um, so we'll ask him this as well. But I will be very interested to see 
you know, guys like Roger Tuivasa-Shek, you know, does he go with the 35-man all-black squad and not play a lot bunch of footy, or do they give him to Leon McDonald and say, try and give him 60 minutes, two games against the Sopo and see how he looks? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it, really? Um, uh, 35 players, it's going to be pretty much the blokes that have been in the squad right through, with one or two exceptions, I suppose. Um, he's had very little game time with the All Blacks, and you're right, it might... Um, I mean, you could play him against Japan, I suppose, but would he seriously make the team to play Wales? Would he seriously make the team to play Scotland? Or would he seriously make the team to play England? The answer is probably no. Um, he might well be better off, uh, as you say, to go with um, go with Razor and, and Leon McDonald and, and see what they can do with him um, in, a, in a little sort of mini tour, if you like. Okay, mate. Yeah, totally agree. It will be interesting to see how that plays out uh, and who who gets to go and whether or not even the All Blacks are able to, uh, while they're over there, give Leon McDonald um, and his coaches a couple of players that they feel need game time. Um, let, let's go back finally. Last question to to the NPC: uh, Is there anybody out there that you can see Nisbo? Given that we've pretty much got most of our finalists now, barring what happens um, this afternoon, uh, that can can beat a very impressive Canterbury. They've been the most consistent side, uh, including your mob. We've got the Ranfurly Shield there from Wellington. Who, who do you think's the most likely to probably get through to the final to take them on? Should Canterbury not get upset before then? Yeah, pretty hard, isn't it? Because, you know, they're going to get home advantage right through, I would think, um, being a team that's uh, accrued the best record for sure. Uh, in the other division, yeah, I, th- I think I think Wellington are a big chance. Uh, they've got to be a bit careful this afternoon that they that they don't, um, you know, just take County's Manukau for granted. Because if they were to lose that game, they may, they they'd probably lose the top slot, mm. and that makes it just a little bit harder for them. Uh, I was really impressed with North Harbour. I have been quite impressed with North Harbour um, this season. Sure, they haven't been all that consistent. But I think in players like Sean Stevenson and Bryn Gatland, uh, they've been pretty damn impressive. Uh, Bay of Plenty's another one. Having said that, Bay of Plenty fell over to Northland the other day. So um, I think uh, if I was a betting man, I'd be looking at Bay of Plenty to beat a Waikato team, which has kind of fallen off the pace there a wee bit. It's, uh, it's been interesting. I, I, I don't know what's happened to Waikato just in the last couple of weeks, but they're capable of picking themselves up. Any team that's got Damien McKenzie in it, is always going to be a danger. And um, I think yesterday, or at least on Friday night, we saw that Hawks Bay had finally gotten over the fact that they no longer had the Ranfilly Shield. And they did a pretty damn good job on uh, Tasman. So, um, you know, just on, on, on the surface of it, Nashi, I think um, the likes of uh, Wellington, North Harbour, uh, Hawks Bay, and, and maybe a rejuvenated Waikato um, could be, could be uh, a bit of a problem for... Canterbury, but just at the moment, I think Canterbury at home are going to be a bit tough to beat. Yeah, no, I agree. As well, they uh, they look pretty good. Actually, I was quite surprised, as Santa Marcia, quite surprised how strong the team against Otago was, mm. given they had already well and truly qualified top spot. I thought he might have given a few players a breathe, but no. Yeah, exactly. He's, um, you know, I think I think you want to keep the train rolling, don't you? Um, there were some subtle changes, but but nothing uh, nothing too hard. I mean. A lot of their play really revolves around, um, you know, you get a loose forward that includes Billy Harmon and uh, and uh, Tom Christie. Mm. Pretty hard to beat, isn't it, really? And um, and a good, solid front row. I thought Tamaiti Williams was, was terrific last night. Um, and, 
you know, they're just going to be tough to beat, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Good stuff. Nisbo, thanks very much for coming on, mate. We'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Arvo. Plenty of footy to watch. Absolutely. Good on you, boys. Take it easy. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, Grant, Grant Nisbet there with us. Uh, 29 away from uh, 2 o'clock. And as I mentioned, we've got Leon McDonald coming up shortly, Marshy. Um, there's some interesting calls. I wonder how much influence he will have on the players that he gets to take. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And it's great that we're, we've been able to get Leon on a, on a Sunday afternoon to have a chat to him about that, how much information he's able to divulge to us is, <laughs> is probably the other side of the equation that we'll have to, to, to factor in. But, you know, look, I, at the end of the day, it'll be the directive he was given when he was asked to do the coaching role. Like, as a, as a coach, you're ultimately responsible for the team that you coach. Mm. And, and, and if that's me and I'm a coach, well, I would want to pick the players that I believe I can coach to win rugby games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but if that, that directive is coming from the exterior saying, well, this is the side we want you to play and these are the people we want to have in your squad, then you know, you've got to get your head around that and then it presents different challenges uh, and then work with, with that talent. So, yeah, it's an interesting equation that he's facing. Um, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. We will, we will. Actually, I mean, here's a question for you and something we can't ask Leon, but I, just your take on what this All Black 15 means and, and the direction that it's going to take. Is this All Black 15 a team that is going to have Brad Weber and TJ Perinara in the squad because, you know, we're, we're saying they're, they're yeah. out of the, the All Black squad at the moment, or is it the sort of squad that's going to have someone like a Cortez Ratama or someone like that more looking to the future than and than blooding the, uh, giving the old guys games? I, I think it will be very much looking to the future. Um, there's, there's certainly no substitute for having experience in a side. And, and you know, playing at Wembley in London is, is against, a, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, one of the... I guess more exciting teams in the world in the Barbarians um, with a New Zealand coach, yeah, uh, who knows New Zealand rugby players quite well is is a, is a challenge in itself. Uh, but you know, I certainly feel that um, this is a time to find out a lot about players. Those mm. players that have been sitting, sort of just on 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 the outer at the moment, haven't been getting lots of minutes, haven't been getting the opportunities. Possibly, uh, we might through, uh, see a through Mouldy players in there as well. Mm. Uh, because you know they they have been very successful lately, and Clayton McMillan's involved. Yeah, that's and true. Here, yeah, but again, how much input do they have in, in getting players here? But yeah, in my mindset, it will be I think it'll be a look towards the future rather than taking too many old bodies there. Yeah, that's another question. Will Scott Robertson be allowed to bring in a couple of New well, Zealand yeah. players into that Barbar team? You know, say a TJ or someone like well, that. Well, that's right, and he may very well look at someone like TJ Pirinata, you yeah. know, to, to captain his side. Yeah, you know, I, I was very lucky to captain the Barbarians against the All Blacks in 2004 and it was an incredible experience uh, to, to be able to to stand there and, and face the haka and um, you know um, take on the All Blacks you know and I was still an All Black at the time I played my last season against the Lions in 2005 so you know knowing TJ someone like TJ Perinata or Brad Weber they would if Razor knocked on their door they'd jump at it any player would yeah. it would be incredible to take on um, the, you know, the, what, the second to third best rugby players in the country wearing a black jersey um, in, in, in a pretty awesome stadium of Wembley. Yeah, damn good. Damn good. A couple of texts come through. This one, uh, a great game by Ben O'Keefe. He helped make last night's game such a good one. Yeah, I thought he'd, he refereed the game really well. We, we made a comment on the fact that what, what Ben O'Keefe did so well last night was he actually uh, refereed the breakdown in a massively positive way where he saw was up close and personal with uh, what was going on there in terms of players trying to get turnover. He was His communication was brilliant mm. in terms of 
he let a player know that he was fine and then he let him know that when he wasn't and to release and to roll away. And the minute that somebody um, you know, got over the ball, uh, he gave them an opportunity to turn the ball over. Now, now sometimes referees are so quick on the whistle that you know they can see a player's over the ball, possibly got his hands on it, and he's just got his hands on it. And if a ball doesn't come free, they'll blow a penalty straight away. And then we've got a, a whistle, a whistle, a whistle. Last night, he let that player stay in the fight a little bit. And a lot of times, the players lifted the ball and actually presented it back on their own side, which is what should happen without yeah. there being a penalty. Yeah, totally. And, and the game flowed. It flowed at the breakdown, you know, because it, yeah, it looked like there were lots of turnovers, but they weren't mistake-style uh, uh, turnovers. They weren't errors, knock-ons or fumbles. They were simply legitimate turnovers, and the other team counterattacked. And it was a really good go game of ebb and flow because he had that mindset that he was allowing, you know, that that contest to happen. Yeah. Rather than see a contest and then go ping, he was letting it evolve, letting it evolve, and then if the player clearly after five seconds didn't release it on the ground, whatever, then he would blow a penalty. So I, I thought it was a it was a it was a really good mindset from Ben O'Keefe, which Massively helped the game. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Thanks for the text. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Up next, Leon McDonald, the coach of the All Black 15. Yeah, 20 away from two here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And joining us on the phone now on a Sunday afternoon, very much appreciated, is the uh, coach of the All Black 15 side that is going to play uh, an Irish uh, selection and the Barbarians as well in the end of year. Leon McDonald, how are you, sir? Good afternoon, guys. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Um, we've been kicking around some questions uh, between us uh, that we wanted to ask you, and I, um, I guess there's some stuff you'll be able to tell us and some stuff you won't, but uh, I know that the All Black selectors are going to sort of be involved in picking the team that you're going to coach. How much input are you going to get into that team? Um, yeah, look, a little bit. Obviously, um, the purpose of the team's for 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 them to see the next best, so who's who's um, who's not in their squad, and, and they want to be able to see them play um, at that next level um, tour and, and and get a bit more information. Because um, by the time you get into next year, I'm assuming that their squad's going to be pretty much done. So just gives them another opportunity. So yeah, generally it'll be picked by the All Black selectors, but um, I do get to sit in the room and have. Um, be part of the conversation, I suppose. Yeah. How do you see that team, uh, the the purpose of the team, I guess, is the best way to put this. I mean, we saw uh, when the Irish were here and, and during the Rugby Championship, for example, you know, Brad Weber and TJ Piedonata weren't in the All Blacks team. Uh, is it going to be those kind of guys that are going to be with you? Or are we looking maybe at the the, the next uh, generation, the likes like, say, if we're talking half-back half of Cortez Ratama or somebody like that? Oh, look, I think predominantly it will be um, you know the, the the first lot, the guys that are next next off the rank. Um, any injuries over in in Europe, then they'll be able to pull guys across really easily, and they can sort of fit into that all back squad if they needed it. Um, but also, you know, with their ability to playing some rugby. So I think predominantly it's going to be the next best, and then there's probably going to be an opportunity inside that squad, um, you know, with some of the other spaces um, to be able to have a look at the the next tier as well. So it might be, for example, two two experienced or you know two of the next best halfbacks and maybe a younger one or you know there'll be an opportunity to do a little bit of both I think. Leon thanks for joining us it's good to see that you've actually managed to extricate yourself from the sun lounges I've seen you on since the end of Super Rugby um, working on that um, tan of yours uh, off the back of the the fact that you'll have a little bit of input selection but the majority of it will come from the All Black selectors 
how then do you go about playing in terms of game plan? Do they want you playing a specific way or you can take control of the way that you approach playing these two games? Yeah, Fozzie's made it really clear that um, once once the team's been named, then um, you know the coaches um, we can play any style that we we want to do, and um, we're, we're not replicating their game plan or anything like that. They're not not so interested in that more than um, you know just us to, to make those decisions. And that's the same selection of the weekly teams. It's up to us to to choose the teams that we see fit. So um, yeah, it, it still gives us plenty of opportunity to, to add our own flavour to the tour. With your co-coaches, Clayton and um, Scott, uh, you, have you worked with them before? And, and secondly, was that a process that you were given the head coach's role and you chose them, or that was a New Zealand Rugby Union directive that, that the three of you were put together to work together? Um, I haven't, no, first question, I haven't worked with um, with either, which is sort of part of the attraction, I think, of this tour for me is an opportunity to work alongside good coaches and, you know, from different uh, different teams, I suppose, and uh, even you know new physios and, and trainers and and all that sort of stuff. So it just it, you know it allows you to to grow a little bit and learn from each other. And um, and yeah, look, again, the the process was um, New Zealand driven, um, which I had some input in as well. So again, a little bit like the, the previous question, it was, it was a little bit of both. What about in terms of? Announcing your team and then preparation time. Like, how long are you going to get to have these players before you leave New Zealand and then, um, you know, be able to to get them together for those games over there? Yeah, it's a little bit rushed. Um, we'll assemble, um, have one day in Auckland before we jump on the plane, and then we'll have seven days um, or a full week before our first game. So, not a huge amount of preparation time. So things we get pretty simple. Um, and then we've got a longer turnaround into the second game against the Barbars. We've got a, a nine-day turnaround, so that just gives us a little bit more time to, to um, hopefully put a little bit, you know, a bit more work into the team. But I think seven days, um, you know, we, we'll um, we'll have to just make sure we get what we need in there, and uh, we want to perform well, obviously. So um, it could be a little bit rushed, but we'll do the best we can. Did you ever get the boots on? Forgive me for for not knowing this for the Barbarians. No, no, oh. no, no, I was, no. You'll know what their week's like then. <laughs> well, you would have heard the rumours, I've experienced it. <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine you won't be uh, behind them on preparation, put it that way. But, uh, yeah, quite interesting that you get that opportunity as a coach to, you know, though traditionally they're um, a historically great club um, and they've, they've got a certain brand of rugby that they play as well. So kind of cool that even though you didn't get the chance as a player, you get it as a coach to go coach against them. And, and obviously up at, uh, against Razor as well, as we mentioned earlier in the show, he'll, he'll know a lot about the players that you're going to pick, which is a positive for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's just different, isn't it? I think that's the exciting part of the tour is um, you know, a little bit of a different opposition. The team's going to be made up of players right through Europe, um, as, you know, good players too, and... They'll be, they'll be, you know, although they'll probably have quite a different build-up than they used to, they'll, they'll be pretty competitive and want to do well. I think the last time they played against England a little while back, I think the Barbarians had a pretty solid 30-point win against them. Mm. So um, that's what happens sometimes when you can play with no fear and, and freedom. And, um, you know, you've been a part of a few Barbarians teams. Marcia, that's sort of probably rubbed up, a, you know, a few teams that yep. you shouldn't have, you know, just because of the, the, the standard play you got and the fact that you got, you know, just play... Um, so yeah, that's exciting, and, and I think this Irish team's 
Uh, you know, Ireland are the top of the world at the moment, and they're carrying a, squad, a large squad through their autumn series, and, and they're going to release their players out to play us, and um, so they're going to be, you know, well drilled, well coached, and and obviously pretty ambitious around and you know, beating us. So that, that, that's fun as well. Uh, Leon, I know you're uh, on downtime from the uh, from the Blues. Well, if you ever have downtime as a, as a as a head coach of a Super Rugby team, but yesterday uh, Auckland played and they they gave Roger Tuivasa-Shek the 14 jersey. What did you what did you make of that move? Uh, and how did you think he went? Yeah, look, yeah, I, I, I was really interested to see how he went because that was obviously one of the other positions that was talked about him. Um, playing and and um, it wasn't probably the best night for wingers. It was pretty cold. Best mm-hmm. day for wingers it was pretty wet. Um, but he did the basics well. He he um, you know he he, he, he counterattacked back off kickoffs and and carried the ball. He looking for work and I think yeah he wanted to be in the midfield around getting his hands on the ball. But there is now with the way that the game structured, the wingers had to have a license to to ride around the place. And if he can um, you know it could be quite a good opportunity for him just as the season winds up a bit more to. Um, you know, just to play with a bit more freedom and, and just try and really, you know, get that ball in space and, and show what he can do with some, you know, a little bit more width. Yeah, I guess speaking of that, then obviously you've, you, you'll be in the middle of uh, piecing together your blue squad as well and an announcement of that uh, and, and then having to be away uh, coaching this uh, to- uh, side, which is, again, it's probably quite refreshing for you because it's a change of focus and you can get back into the blues. Uh, is there... Uh, going to be any activity within the Blues whilst you're away, and if so, who, who's taken over that that uh, head roll from you in the interim? Yeah, look, we've got Tom Coventry still here, but we, we come back about a week before we assemble, so sort of land right. land on the Wednesday, and I think we assemble on the the Monday. So um, there's a little bit of a gap in between, but yeah, just sort of racing around trying to get all my ducks in a row before we jump on the plane, because we're coming straight back into the season, really. So um, yeah, no, it's good. It's exciting. I think. Um, yeah, I think a lot of players will be hoping they can make this tour. It's a, it's a, it's a fun tour, I think. You know, two really good games. Um, we haven't really been overseas for a long time. And, um, you know, because of COVID, we've generally been playing New Zealand teams or Australian teams. So, uh, you know, as, as a as a professional, um, you always want to put yourself against the best in the world. And, and going overseas to Europe and, and playing good games is, is always an exciting challenge. Yeah, good stuff, Leon. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for giving up uh, some time on your Sunday afternoon. We'll let you get back to the Sun Lounger and continue to work on that tan, eh? <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> you haven't seen the weather in Auckland, obviously, hasn't been sunny for months. I wasn't talking about Auckland, mate. I was talking about Fiji <laughs> and where, where, all those other places you've been, but never mind, we won't go into that. I, I, I might have popped down to Blenheim for three or four days. And <laughs> good, man. Uh, good stuff, Leon. Thanks very much, mate, and best of luck uh, with that uh, end-of-season tour. This is the rugby run here on SENZ, 10 away from two. Yeah, SENZ, the rugby run, six away from two o'clock. Uh, two o'clock, we've got a couple of games of rugby kicking off in the Bunnings NPC. We'll keep you up to date with those. Uh, Marshy, uh, we did talk to Nisbo earlier. What do you think, uh, counties, can they upset Wellington and Pukekohe this afternoon? I, I agree with what Nisbo said. It's one of those games that Wellington just need to be careful. Mm. Uh, the counties are more than a capable side. Uh, I've seen them this year uh, at times look like they're capable of beating anybody. Uh, so, you know, Wellington will have to be on their metal. If they play a nice structured game, uh, a game, you know, that that they know well uh, against a side that could easily just produce a, a game of sevens razzle-dazzle on them mm. um, and, and don't enter into that type of contest, they should be fine. 
but it's uh, you know I'm not a cliche guy. Yes, I am actually. Uh, <laughs> it is it is a bit of a banana skin for yep. Wellington. Yeah. So yeah, it's totally. well worth tuning in for. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see why because the weather's not great up here. Obviously, it's been raining. We've had a yeah, lot of rain it and, and yeah. pocky. Mate, I mean, that's a potato that field at the best bit. of times. Yes, you know? it can. That's a good point actually. After me. Dribbling on about how good the fields are in the modern day, it's, <laughs> it's likely to be a muddy occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing, mate. You know, Pookie's still in about 1973, I think. Yeah. Pookie, so uh, a little way behind on that front in terms of the fields. Uh, we'll talk more rugby in the next hour here on the Bunnings uh, Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. We're going to be talking Rugby World Cup up next. It's just gone two o'clock here on the Rugby Run on SENZ. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you through till three o'clock. We're just about to get kickoffs in those two games in the uh, Bunnings NPC. Uh, the county's Manukau. A 3.20 outsiders at home against Wellington who are paying $1.35. And Northland, short, short favourites in Whangarei at $1.13 to beat uh, the Turbos who are paying five fifty. A win there gets Northland into the playoffs. We'll keep you up to date with those scores as they happen here this afternoon on SENZ. And joining us now, because we do have a Rugby World Cup kicking off next Saturday. We're six days away. Cherry Blyde, former Blackfern, head of Taranaki Rugby now. Cherry, how are you? Uh, good afternoon. I don't know that I'd say head of Taranaki Rugby, but yeah, I'm part of it. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. The, we, we all know that you tell them what to do and they, they just toe the line. We know that. Yeah, okay, we'll leave it at that then. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, Cherry. Uh, how how excited are you as you know, a former fern, somebody who's involved in the administration of rugby, you know, uh, at a provincial level? How excited are you that we're we're seeing the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup kicking off in just six days uh, here on our own patch? Yeah, pretty excited, eh? It's, it's going to be, well, hopefully it's going to um, be very um, uh, um, successful. Mm. Um I'm, you know, more from a spectator's point of view, and we get plenty of bums on seats and um, get them behind our black bands and all the other teams too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from everything I've heard, the opening day is three games at Eden Park, so it's a triple header, finishing with the Ferns against the Wallaroos. Um, over thirty thousand tickets sold for that, which will make it the biggest women's sporting event in New Zealand history, I think, uh, in terms of talking yeah. bums on seats, which is which is going to be good. I, I guess. Um, you know, for somebody who's involved with Taranaki rugby like you are, Sherry, is it a little disappointing that we don't get to see this World Cup outside of Auckland and Whangarei? Yeah, um, I know uh, obviously a lot of people down this way um, have said, you know, how come um, it's all up there, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously when they were planning it um, logistics-wise, if, if that big sea come into play again, mm. um, they could find them all up there. So, um you know, a tick for that, but yeah, a little bit disappointing for the likes of people that would just like to maybe have a day trip and, and you know, take a drive to Hamilton or down to Wellington. Um, and, you know, for the likes of the South Islanders too, um, with the likes of Christchurch, um, like their women's rugby numbers down there is huge. So it probably would have been um, nice for them to have had a couple of pool games down there too. So, um, like you can see both sides of the coin, but yeah, again, hopefully everyone gets them behind it, and um, and yeah, we can be loud and vocal and see some great games of footy. Cherry, it's Justin here. Speaking of great games of footy, uh, being a former fern yourself, uh, some players they sort of you're obviously involved in administration now, but in terms of watching, some drift away and watch it sporadically, some watch it religiously. Do you? 
take in every game? Are you have you got a vested interest in every single moment that the the Ferns are playing? Um, I do watch every game that the Black Ferns play. Um, I'm not um, I'm not the sort of person that just watches every game. Um, in regards to the the Farapama Cup, um, obviously like to watch our Theo girls and, and I think too if you've got um, a couple of people that you're associated with in the other teams you know you like to keep an eye on what's going on but uh, yeah and I definitely watch all the highlights anyway. So in saying that that's quite uh, good that you answered it in that way. Um, Michaela <laughs> did, do, you, do you think that that was or you know actually something that she considered given that how successful she is in sevens but a rugby world cup in, in 15s on New Zealand shores, was it something that she seriously looked at or is that in the future? Um, I know for Michaela, um, she was approached and asked if she would like to, um, you know, have a crack um, at, at putting a hand up for the, the 15s. Uh, but Michaela being Michaela, um, she has to make sure that she does it, it right and she felt that because she hadn't really had a lot of 15s under her belt, um, she said if she ever did um, yeah. decide to go to the 15, she would like to have a couple of years of Farah Palmer Cup first before she made that next step so she could do the jersey justice. Mm. Um, you, know, it's, I, you know, it's just not something I think some people can, but it's just not something that you can just pick and choose and go to and, um, you know, go from 15s to 7s and back again. And probably do the ju- the juicy justice the way you would like to. Um, Cherry, the Black Ferns. You said you know you watch every Black Ferns game. You're a former fern yourself. We obviously had a situation at the Northern Tour at the end of last year. Uh, things didn't go well with the coaching group for whatever reason, and they've made that change. We've got Wayne Smith in charge now, um, and some very good uh, other coaches working under him. What's the big change for you that you've seen in the way that the Black Ferns play from that end of year tour to what we've seen, say, against the Wallaroos this season? Um, probably the, the main thing would be, for me, the fitness. You can see that the girls are a lot fitter. Um, and I would I would think, too, um, the jersey's not yours. You know, you're just you're playing in it on the day. And I think, um, I think Smithy's probably installed that in the girls, too. You know, you just... You're just wearing it on the day. Um, so, yeah, I, I think people have had to take a little bit of ownership of um, of their own game. And, um, yeah, I think he's just developed a lot of um, competition and, yeah, just made people more accountable for, um, for the positions. Yeah, it feels like the Ferns are playing a faster brand of footy as well and yeah. it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see how that goes against the bigger sides the Englands and the Frances I guess that's why they're doing that but you've still got to be able to um, you know physically match them as well to win the ball and get that front foot uh, front football right? Yes yeah no 100% and, and you know I, I was looking at the pool matches and, that, and obviously on that first day um, with obviously France and England and us so I, I think we're, we're the big three um, I see France are, are seeded fourth, but um, yeah, um, Canada are in that mix too. Um, they're number three, apparently. But yeah, the, the physicality of the English girls and the French girls, that's going to be uh, pretty hard to stop. So I suppose I've got to work out a way to keep the ball away from them. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the key. So it's going to be interesting. How much... 
I mean, how much of it? There was a massive gap at the end of last season when we went up there and we got flogged at all four tests. Um, yeah. How much of that gap do you think they've closed? Or is it kind of hard to tell playing Australia? It's probably pretty hard to um, to tell. Um, you know, no disrespect to the to the Aussie girls, but mm. uh, yeah, I, you know, would have maybe liked to have seen a couple of harder matches mm. um, so we could gauge ourselves a little bit more leaning into the tournament. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, um, like I said, I think I can't tell you who the fourth team will be in the semi-finals, but I think uh, I think it'll be battled out between. England, France, us, and possibly Fiji, maybe, maybe. I, I certainly don't think it was Japan, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> not on the evidence of Eden Park. Do you think that was, Cherry? I know Wayne Smith well, and whilst he would have been you know, elated with the result, I guarantee he didn't get out of that game what he was looking for now that the next game is obviously an opener Rugby World Cup, Eden Park against Australia. Do you think mentally... The, the the actual the the woman can get in the the right headspace and that they can you know get their focus back to how much more tougher it'll be than that particular occasion. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like knowing a few of those girls in the team, um, yeah, they will know that that was just a practice run. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've got to you know they've got to bring their A game um, every day, every game that they play, they need to have their, their A game and, and yeah, they've probably still got a lot more work to do before, uh, before we get to semi-finals. Um, I think, well, I'm not too sure how the quarters work, uh, but yeah, obviously if we top our pool, um, I, uh, I don't know who we will have in the quarters, but I think, yeah, we'll either have France or England in the semi-final. So they just need to make sure that they're, Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you can you can never you can never fool a bookie, Sherry. So I, when it comes to looking at who the top four are going to be, I'd often go to the outright winner at the at the TAB and have a look. Uh, this is the market: England are a dollar fifty to win it. Uh, then New yep. Zealand at three dollars. Then France at eight dollars, which is good value, I think, because I think France oh. are a lot closer than that. And then the next yep. team out is Canada at twenty sixes. Wow. So that's a big jump out oh, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Any um, tips for us? Or because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> of obviously the black ferns. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth a bit just in case a backup. We'll call yeah. it a backup, yeah. Jerry, Will we? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the backup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, quality, Jerry. I mean, yeah. asking and you another question about our neighbours because obviously a lot of what happens in New Zealand rugby. Uh, is related to what happens in Australian rugby. We rely on them and they rely on us to a certain extent. How worried should we be about the state of the Wallaroos? Uh, they, uh, I mean, that Jap- Japanese team that the Black Ferns put to the sword last weekend beat Australia earlier this season. Yes, yeah, no, they did. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, obviously we all know once there's a big tournament, obviously, like the World Cup, um, everyone uh, lifts it up a notch. Um but yeah, I don't know. I have heard that um, Aussie rugby are putting all their eggs in the sevens basket, mm. um, and then obviously, you know, with the likes of the fifteens, oh, you know, you don't want to say they're getting the others, but um, yeah, women's sport over there. Um, obviously, the league is is taking off too. So whether or not they don't see the fifteens as something that they want to. Um, fully invest in, I don't know, but 
I think they'd be crazy not to. I think, you know, obviously it is one of the biggest growing sports, so you've got to jump on that bandwagon while you can. Yeah, you definitely do. Hey, Cherry, thanks very much for coming on Thank you. on your Sunday afternoon. I really appreciate it. Uh, continue to do the good work you do as president of Taranaki Rugby and enjoy that World Cup, eh? No, I appreciate it. Yeah, go the Black Ferns. Go the Black Ferns indeed. Cherry Bly there with us uh, talking the World Cup. Yeah, $1.50 England, that's pretty short, isn't it? Before a ball's been kicked. Yeah, it is actually. It's, um, you know, the World Cups just throw up, you know, so so many different uh, scenarios in your face and, you know, you don't often see a team going in with having to get through a pool and then, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals and a final and not falter. Anywhere, yeah, and 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 injuries as well play a massive part. You lose lose a key player, you know that that has a, a huge effect on the team. So to go in at one fifty, that's very short. Yeah, very short indeed. Yeah, I mean, there's twelve teams at this World Cup. Uh, the outsider outsiders are the Japanese and the South Africans, both at uh, five hundred and one to one. So yeah, don't, don't back that. No, we'll probably give that a miss, Ricardo. I might put five of your dollars on it, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm very tempted to put uh, a little something on the French. French, to be honest, yeah, $8. that's that's a good bet out there for all those people that um, like good bets. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Is that the politically correct way to say it? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, it is uh, thirteen past two here on SENZ. This is the rugby run, Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall, with you. Keep your calls coming through. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, and uh, we'll be talking more NPC. We'll talk some more All Blacks as well between now and 3 o'clock. It's 18 past 2 here on SENZ. This is the Rugby Run. Uh, Northland have scored against Manawatu. They lead uh, 5-0. Kick to come. No, kick is over. 7-0. Northland over Manawatu. And uh, Marsh, it's uh, been all happening at Pookie. Uh, three tries in the first 12 minutes. Yeah, it certainly has. So Wellington up after 12 minutes. 14 points to 7. Uh, Connor Garden Bishop just went in. Oh, there's actually... Um, interesting, just prior to that, seeing uh, uh, the Wellington hooker look like yeah. he might have uh, done his Achilles. Um, couldn't quite pick up who it was, but it didn't look good on no. the big screen from first glance, that's for sure. Yeah, like he stopped, checked, took the knee, and then yep. looked to pass the ball off so he could get treatment. Yeah. And the county's players certainly didn't... They uh, didn't care. <laughs> he got flattened uh, by one of them. I know what that feeling's like, and when a player stops immediately like that, he's either badly torn his calf yep. or he's pinged his Achilles. Yeah, it um, definitely is, looked like an Achilles, is, uh, didn't it? If I'm, if I'm him, I'm hoping it's the calf. Oh, yeah. Because, well. uh, yeah, the Achilles can be niggly. Yeah, very niggly. Dick, I remember you scoring a try, and I'm trying to remember, was that when your Achilles went? Or yeah, was that's, that, when, that's when it went. Yeah. And you had to, you had Hop, to hopscotch it hop, over the line, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out what had gone wrong, but I knew it was something not good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it can be, particularly for front rowers, uh, they can be really hard to get back from a player that I played with, Matt Sexton. He was a very, very good player for Crusaders in Canterbury. Uh, he he um, ruptured both of his Achilles. Uh, and it's just that, that pressure coming from the front row, you know. So, yeah... Um, Hopefully that's not what the case has been there uh, up at Pukekohe. Yeah. Uh, James O'Reilly? Yeah, oh, James O'Reilly. Yeah, yes, that's well the done. Wellington hooker. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, he's, he looks like he's done. Mm. Um, so unfortunate for him. But uh, Graham from Christchurch is on the line. Uh, thanks for holding there, Graham. How are you doing? No problems. Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, and no, I was there that night, Justin, when you oh. did your bloody Achilles against the Waratahs. Yeah, I was Daryl Gibson. I was, that, on the, um, I was on the embankment, and you, oh, were you? Yeah. and you started hopping with the ball. It was right in front of where I was standing. <laughs> I thought, oh, he must be you and Mertz were doing some, you know, joke or something. <laughs> I honestly thought that because you know I had a lot of thoughts, a bit of a 
particularly Ned Lay there, you know, and it was like, mm. oh no, yeah, no, that was a that was a real bad, uh, yeah, bad time for yeah, you. Yeah, we were actually, yeah, it was Daryl Gibson, and he he had a um, he had a real run there with quite a few people. He was in the vicinity of quite a lot of us there for a while that had bad injuries, <laughs> and uh, basically everyone was avoiding him either at training or in the game. You know, like it was a bit awkward. Didn't there he have a nickname like the Black Widow or something yeah, like I that? Yeah, I think it was like... something like that. Eh? So yeah, he was. Uh, he was a catalyst for a few of us going down. Yeah, and, uh, I remember Matt. I remember Matt Sexton. Yes, was there once when he did one of his, and then he did. As you say, he did. He was that was really bad done mm. too. Yeah, especially your front rower. But it's, but 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 more understandable. But yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that's a yeah a long time ago. But yeah, I remember that night well. But yeah, just on the rugby in the weekend and a bit about the uh, New Zealand. 15 selection, yeah, it was a tough game you called yesterday, Otago, uh, um, mm. I knew they were going to be tough for Canterbury um, at, at Forsyth Bar, because I knew they were going to go out there and they, James Lynchies and the, and the boys, they really uh, threw everything at Canterbury, uh, but Well, yeah, it's typical Canterbury and, though, Graham. I don't know what you thought, but, you know, good good sides good sides win on a day when the opposition are having uh, one of their good days, and they are. you know, they for, do, for Otago they? to spend... 12 minutes uh, inside Canterbury's 22. Uh, it shows Canterbury's resilience on defence and then their, their breakouts when Otago finally became impatient and turned the ball over, whereas Canterbury didn't even spend four minutes inside yes, Otago's. And that just goes to show sides that without the ball, but also against a side that's playing well on the day, still find a way to get the job done. And that's what always makes Canterbury such a hard obstacle mm. to get past because they can have a bad day and still win. Yeah, they, had, they actually debuted a new halfback too, didn't they, Canterbury? That yeah, was, that was Lamb, a one change yeah, from, from, from Burnside. Yeah. Yeah, how yeah. did he go, Marshall, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, he went pretty well. I think he'll be better for the experience. Mm. Um, you know, you go from club rugby to the, the physicality, the speed at the breakdown. He got caught a couple of times, but he also made some really good decisions, a couple of little uh, mini line breaks. Uh, you know, he looks like he's going to be um, a good prospect for the future and, and he would have learned a lot out of last night's experience. Sniper. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But um, I thought yeah, it was no, pretty I good. agree. Mm. No, that, as you say, that Manasseh Matali try, I think, was yeah. the one that put Canterbury back in it. But as you say, the way they're playing this year, I mean, the last couple of years they've were very inconsistent. But the team, the way that it showed their character to go to Dunedin to play a desperate Otago team who had to win, and um, yeah, a good side only beats, you know, a side that that. That is on top of their game, like the you know, like the Otago boys were, because they had everything to play for. And um, well, so yeah, we, we asked uh, we asked Grant Nisbet this, Graham. But you, I know that you, uh, you you are a very very passionate Canterbury man. But <laughs> I know you love your rugby and and you love following um, all rugby in New Zealand. If you're looking at this current format in the Bunnings NPC, who who's the side that would worry you about? possibly being able to beat Canterbury at home, which it looks likely you'll have to do to win this comp? Well, four or five weeks ago, I'd have said Waikato. Mm. Waikato. But um, now, I'd have to say Wellington now. Uh, Wellington, I've sort of been a bit fl- flaky at the start of the competition. But, um, you know, they're taking the shield off Hawke's Bay. Hawke's Bay got a bit tight, you know. I mean, you've been in shield teams. Mm. And, you know, they got... I think you know they get probably a bit obsessed with holding it, and but they bounce back a bit. But I think Wellington would probably come to mind. You know, and Auckland, uh, even though we put them away last Friday week ago, um, you know, but but I still think Canterbury's got the wood on them. But I think Wellington would be our number one rivals at the moment, just on 
form. Um, Isn't it interesting because of the way the format is now? And, and I think it's brilliant that we are now uh, distributing our, our All Blacks and our Super Rugby players across the country, that, that the, the stronghold is, is not necessarily in those major Super franchises, that the Blues, who had such a successful uh, campaign yeah. in Super Rugby, not neither you nor Nisbo re- really mentioned them as being the contenders, given that you know they, they've had to probably, like everybody else, um, look deeper into their squad than what they than gathering Super Rugby players into it. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, yeah, and you say that you know teams like Hawks Bay and that you know they've been shield holders for two years. You know, and look what you know they got the fifteen challenges. You know. Mm. Teams with more All Blacks couldn't beat them, you know, for instance, you know, until, you know, obviously Wellington turned up a couple of weeks ago and beat them. But, uh, yeah, no, no, I think, yeah, the talent has been spread, um, I don't know, deliberately or but inadvertently probably. It's ended up, you know, into, apart from one or two, um, who Tasman will be hoping won today big time. But, um, yeah, they, they the rest of them are pretty, are even on a bad, you know, teams have a bad day and some will have a good day. But, um, you know, generally speaking, they, the games of, like, Carney's Manica gave Canterbury a good run for their money a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they're a team of, you know, no names, basically, you know, in terms of national rugby. But yeah, no, and on that, just quickly on the 15, you know, goes overseas, yeah. It isn't to see who the Lucy's, you know, I'd like to see Billy Harmon or Tom Christie every two, just to name two Canterbury mm. players, just for a change. Um, guys, <laughs> well, because Al- Alan's Al- 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 out for, he's out for a while, isn't he? Oh, no, he's, uh, yeah, he's yeah. gone burger for this yeah. year. Um, sadly, yeah, he would have been a, I think he had a guy, I think he had a guy on the Northern Tour, at least, but, um, you know, but that's with the All Blacks, but, yeah, you won't see him again, but I think there's a lot of players out there, I think that'll be a, a very good side, Leon McDonald's going to um, take away at the end of the year. Mm, good stuff, Graham. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your call, mate, really appreciate it. No, good man, you have a good day, guys. Yeah, you too. Yeah, off the back of that, it's really interesting, I had a chat to Jace Ryan last night, he was down uh, looking at that Canberra Otago game. Did ask him about how many they're taking on that Northern Tour. They're only adding one player. Really? So from 34 to 35. Yeah, so I guess that shows the significance of that uh, that New Zealand 15 or Blacks 15, whatever we're going to call it eventually, uh, that, you know, who who comes in, who misses mm. out? Who's done anything wrong? Um just for people out there to be aware, I guess, that when, when they named the rugby championship side at the start of the rugby championship and, you know, they dropped obviously the first game against South Africa, etc. Barring injury, you can't bring anybody else in. Mm. The, the squads are only able to be tampered with through injury. So form doesn't come into it. You're stuck with what you pick. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see throughout the course of that championship, the players that have had training involved, you know, who, who they feel that they want to keep and whether or not they want to inject some new blood into it or if, they, in fact, they even need to. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do on a few other things too, actually. I'd be keen to get your thoughts on this, Justin. A lot of people, when Damien McKenzie came back, were yeah. like, oh, you know, they, they could make, like they did for Patrick Tuipilotu, they could make a case to bring him back in. But mm. he hasn't really set the world on fire at Waikato, I don't think. And, I, you know, it'd be harsh on Stephen Petafeta to replace him with D-Mac at the moment. But... Do you put Peter Feder with Leon so he plays, you know, two 80-minute games at that level? Or Good do you point. continue him Good as point. a third uh, 10 in the All Blacks? I, I think the, another part of the equation is um, 
because of in that injury situation, when they name their squad, they do have access to those players. Yeah. What whilst they're in, whilst them being over there is a massive positive. So I think someone like Stephen Pierrofetta, he needs to be the starting ten for the the fifteen. Yeah. And if they were to have an injury to Bowden Baird or Richie Moonga, they can just bring him in seamlessly. And he's been in the environment. He needs to be tested at that higher level. So I, I feel he's one of those examples that um, the All Blacks may release him from their squad and they may look at a different balance in that back row where a McKenzie or Anton Leonard-Brown, I'm pretty sure, will be back in the mix. Be fit, yep. um, Damien McKenzie, just briefly on him, he's suffering from uh, Geordie Barrett syndrome, which is he's getting played all over the place. Mm. And, and you just don't get your rhythm enough. And I can understand why Waikato are doing that. You know, Sometimes he's at 10, sometimes he's at 15, sometimes he's been off the bench. I don't know whether that's they felt he, he had a bit of volume of rugby in his system and they want to keep him fresh, but he's got, to, he's got to grab a position by the scruff of the neck, and for me that's fullback. And he's just got to play there week to week to week to week. And I just think him moving from between 15 and 10 is not helping his rhythm at the moment. Mm, yeah, no, good call, good call. Uh, 29 pounds too, keep your texts coming through. Double eight double three is the text line, or you can call us 0800 150 811. 26 away from 3 o'clock here on SENZ, the rugby run. Uh, Wellington well and truly in control in Pukekohe, aren't they, Justin? Yeah, they certainly are up 26-7 at the moment. Uh, only 27 minutes into the first half, so it's right. Excuse the pun, but it's raining try. I didn't say I was into the, the cliches and puns, did I? But it is raining tries. It's a, it's a point of yeah. Just like the weather. And Northland, 12-5 over Manawatu, same amount of time gone. So at this stage, it looks like Northland will make that top four, which is an incredible season for them. That's massive. That's yeah. absolutely huge for yeah. them. Uh, just had a couple of texts come through. This one from Anthony. Hi, guys. Just call them New Zealand A. We're playing Ireland A there this year, so um, probably not any Smokies in that all-black squad tour now. Yeah, yeah, valid point. Um, yeah, I think I was telling you, Ricardo, that mm. I played in a New Zealand development team, which yeah. was basically an all-black B slash uh, C side uh, in disguise uh, back in 1994, and uh, didn't didn't bother me that it wasn't called the, the all-blacks B or the all-blacks 15 or anything like that. You know, the fact that you're representing New Zealand uh, is, is the key thing. So, yeah, we, we could we'd probably go down that pathway and it would just take out the confusion of them being anything to do with the All Blacks. Yeah, exactly, which I don't know that New Zealand rugby necessarily want to make that. No, uh, I don't, and an I don't think they need to. No, I don't uh, think so either. Because no. um, we've got you know New Zealand divisional teams and um, exactly. what we have done in the past, New Zealand development, New Zealand universities. You know, they don't, they're not the New Zealand University All Blacks, so let, let's just... Make him make him New Zealand B or the New Zealand fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I was at the Rock years. Or New ago. Zealand Day. New Zealand Day. I was at the Rock years ago, uh, and uh, Robert and John I used to do the drive show there. Yeah, I was producing them, and it was when they decided New Zealand Rugby Union went. We don't just have the All Blacks anymore. Yes. We have the Maori All Blacks, and we have the All Black Sevens as well. Oh, yes, you know, and, and so we went. Oh, if they're throwing the term around. Yeah. Let's ring them and see if we can be the all-black drive show, um, <laughs> which we thought was going to be hilarious. New Zealand rugby didn't see the funny side I'm of sure it. I'm sure they did not. No. No. Uh, funnily, yeah. or not funnily, as the case may be. Well, obviously, Andy Hayden, um, he had a, he'd carved himself a real niche uh, mm. that he he was very clever, business-minded uh, back in the day, and he, he managed to have the, the classic all-blacks, was able to call them the classic all-blacks and run the fern as well yeah. with a black jersey and... Uh, yeah, I knew it was always a bit of a thorn in the side of the New Zealand Rugby Union, the fact that he was able to do that. But the, the other side of it, the flip side of it, if you look at it and, and don't get too 
hung up in it from you know the New Zealand Rugby Union's perspective as players who were yeah. former All Blacks like me, yeah, who got to be classic All Blacks under that brand was amazing. And we knew it wasn't the All Blacks, yeah. but we, we knew it was us old-timers, golden oldies-type style rugby. Yeah, uh, We had worn the fern before, so we felt that we should be able to wear it again Yeah, you've earned the uh, and, and be called All Blacks, but classic All Blacks. So, yeah, Andy did a, an amazing job there, and, um, you know, uh, what he, he formulated and the opportunities he gave retired players was sensational. Mm, he did a lot, eh? He I did. mean, I, he had that different take because he'd gone in to be an, a, an agent for people right. like Rachel Hunter, and so he saw... Yeah. Sports stars, and you know, no different to actresses or models or anything else That's like right. that. You know, it's entertainment at the end of the it's day. It's entertainment, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, he was the—he uh, was one of the instigators and um, catalysts for the Cavaliers as well. Mm. Remember that? Way <laughs> yeah, back in yeah the day. I do. He I played do. as well. Not only did he sort of uh, piece the tour together and yeah. help do that and contract all the players, he also played. And my old man went to school with um, Andy Dalton. And they, oh, yes. were, they were mates at Selwyn College, yeah. and um, so I, re- I remember f- following that. And then, you know, obviously, he got his jaw busted, and that effectively right. ruled him out of the '87 World it Cup because yeah. he still had issues with it. Um, so that that kid Fitzy, who did all right, turned out. Yeah, he, he turned out okay. Didn't <laughs> he, he? Turned, he turned out okay. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember. Do you remember McFarlane Gadsby, the old yes, uh, comedy yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. I remember. That still sticks with me to this day about. Um, this piece they did about the Cavaliers tour, and uh, it was—I I think it was a, one of them was pretending to be Murray Mexted, like you know—and they were they were talking about how uh, Lorraine was suffering from post-natal depression because um, <laughs> she wasn't getting all the diamonds and things sure, anymore. Sure, sure, yes. Yeah, and I thought, oh, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was pretty clever. It was very clever. Yeah, yeah no, it was. Um, I remember watching it on. The, I think you had to get VHS tapes back in the day, didn't you? To, yeah. Buy them to see see the games. Yeah, it was a unique time in the world, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. it was, yeah. It was four tests, wasn't it, between the Cavs and the yeah, and yeah, yeah. Box. yeah, yeah they won three one. Yes, they memory, did. Yeah, from memory. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was it was a, a good tour, but it impacted, and that's where the baby blacks came from the next year. Well, well, it did, but but I guess you know, for, for me, uh, growing up, I was of that age around that time when that tour happened, that mm. I was obviously massively into my rugby, but I knew nothing about South African rugby whatsoever. Mm. Because of apartheid and the fact that they'd been alienated from the game, and rightly so, um, I, I knew nothing about any of the players. You know, then I saw this guy Danny Herber in the centres, like thinking, <laughs> "Holy mackerel! Look at that monster!" You know, um, so it was quite unique to be able to know all this stuff about rugby, yeah, but absolutely nothing about the Springboks and South African rugby in general. Which now you think about it, you, I mean, you know, you yeah. can't you can't even fathom it, can you? No, you can't. No, uh, a couple of texts have come through from Ken, uh, guys. Leon, now he signed another All Black and another Canterbury player, but Auckland born for Super. Thought he was going to say it. Pretty excited about those two. Cheers, Ken. Not sure who he's referring to there. You've got us, Ken. You got well us. Done. You got tell the you what, you've Ken. done your research more than us. We had while well, Ricardo was at a fiftieth last night, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was working, so we, we haven't got up to speed with that. But uh, if you feel like texting back in and enlightening us, or is it a secret? I'm not sure. But do you know something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Ken. He also said uh, that he likes the look of that kid, Fabian Holland, that uh, Nisbo oh, yeah. mentioned. But he said there's a young Auckland lock as well called Josh Beer. Okay. Um, who's worth uh, worth looking at? Work rate is immense, and as a big young uh, lad, the battle of the bridge quarterfinal is going to be great. That's going to be very good. You know, there's obviously the the, the bridge, um, I, I guess, rivalry anyway. Yeah. Um, let alone the fact that it's a quarterfinal knockout situ- situation. Uh, that and that is, I agree, that North Harbour are a very good side this year. You know, Bryn Gatlin's playing some fantastic rugby. Uh, Tavita Lee's scoring tries. 
um, by the bucket load. Uh, and, you know, they've got a guy like Sean Stevenson, probably in the form of his life. Good, solid pack. Uh, they're a good side, but, you know, you, you never underestimate Auckland either, particularly when it comes to the Battle of the Bridge. Um, it's well set up. We're into for some mouthwatering quarterfinals uh, next weekend, no doubt. Mate, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great weekend of rugby. Next yeah, weekend, is. looking forward to it. I mean, it's been, it's been great. This NPC's been, I think, one of the best that I remember. Com- most competitive. Yeah, it's so even. It's uh, anybody mm. can beat anybody. Um, actually, on that, um, Bryn Gatlin, you mentioned him. Is he, a, is he a smoky for the All Black 15? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no doubt that when you look across the board in terms of First fives in the country, unless you're going to go down the pathway of a Fergus Burke, who's been very good for Canterbury, mm. very, very good, and he's obviously in the Crusaders as well, and and is 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 very much probably a future prospect. Uh, you know, you if you go for uh, someone like Bryn Gatlin, who had a really good Chiefs season, uh, he's in sensational form for North Harbour. It's it's where they 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 see this tour as being, you know, mm. like, you know, do do they see any future whatsoever in Bryn Gatlin? Oh, I, like I'm not sure of his age. He'd be late twenties, I would have thought, twenty seven, twenty eight. I would have thought so, yeah. Uh, but that's the same age as Richie Moonga. Um, I think Richie's twenty eight, twenty nine as well. So, God, you're throwing it out there, and it's actually a really good, it's a really good um, question, Ricardo, uh, to. To know exactly where they, you know, throw throw their eggs in yeah. terms of um, players that they feel are already developed, uh, yeah. you know, or or do they feel that they want to see them in that environment? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see mm. what that to- that team looks like. Mm. Um, Twenty seven is how Bryn Gatlin is at the moment. Yeah, so he's by no means ancient. No, exactly. Still and got plenty of time. Am I right in thinking that I've Heard a lot of chat from I don't know if it's about or from uh, Richard Mwanga, um about him kind of thinking that after this World Cup he might disappear off offshore. Yeah, I think there's been some speculation out there, uh, yeah. and you know the, I guess there's you're talking about a guy that would have been to his second Rugby World Cup and uh, has done a lot in the game. He's he's had a lot of success with the Crusaders and and Canterbury and and the All Blacks. Uh, might be looking for. Uh, something else to to motivate them. So, I, I guess the other question is someone might be able to answer it out there for mm. for us, or you you could probably Google it. Um, but I wonder if Bryn Gatlin's why wouldn't he be available for Wales? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would have thought he would have played for Wales by now if he was available. Yeah, I would have thought that too. He would have definitely done the time there. Yeah. Um, in in terms of probably qualifying because he he basically grew up there, and I would imagine that he's he's got a British passport. Yeah, I would have thought well, so. Well, my children do put it that way. Yeah, uh, and I was I was there six years, but that there's a question. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, there's a question. <laughs> I mean, if you're in Michael Liner's shoes, you know he's got one boy that's going to play for England, and that's right, and, and another one that wants to play for Australia. Yeah, and I tell you what, there's another guy that I bumped into in South Africa who's got a pretty good footballer, and he's got good gen, uh, genes as well mm. uh, that could end up putting on a white jersey, and that's Zinni's boy. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in the system over there, so. Uh, Yep, there's a few that are starting to crop up now that, the, that their kids are getting old enough. Yeah. They used to be uh, great All Blacks. Flying, mm. flying back here, flying back here. Yeah, I know. He is a Lucy as well. So. Oh, mate, there, cause there's, oh, there's something that hurts. Even more than seeing, you know, we've had plenty of Kiwis who have played for Australia, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, that, and that doesn't hurt as much as I don't think as seeing a Kiwi wearing an English jersey. No, that's right. 
Yes, that is, <laughs> that is hard work. That is very hard work. <laughs> it is a quarter to three here on SENZ. This is the Rugby Run, Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. We will update uh, the scores from the uh, Bunnings NPC when we come back at halftime. This is the Rugby Run on SENZ. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. Through three o'clock, it is uh, ten away from three now. And uh, Marshy, we're at half time in the in the Wellington Counties game, and uh, you certainly no banana skins in Pukekohe. <laughs> no, there's not. No, I did say that they'd have to be on their medal and and mentally be in the right headspace, and they're, they're doing that. Um, they saw just on half time, so that'll at least push them out to. 34 to 7, I think it'll be, and uh, Northern in control over Manor were two at 19 to 5. So, pretty much both the games that still had uh, something riding on them look like they're playing out yeah. the way that uh, people suspected they would. Yeah, indeed, that's why it's, it's looking. Um, and uh, we did our research uh, during the break, mm. didn't we? We feel that we've come up with the fact that Bryn Gatlin, whilst Warren was coaching in Wales at the time that he was there, that Bryn um, was. Possibly at boarding school and was educated in New Zealand. Yeah, well, I mean, everything that's, says... That's, that's what we're thinking. Yeah, Southwell School and then Hamilton Boys High. Mm. So so baby, uh, yeah, he, he went over on holidays during the school breaks um, yeah. and did his schooling still in Hamilton. So that's what we've come up with. But that's a, yeah, to correct us if we're wrong, but that's what we think. That's mm. what we think uh, after after scouring Wikipedia uh, yes. uh, for about 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we've got to. Um, now, we do have uh, the, these games going on at the moment, and then there is a, another game as well, Waikato I believe. Waikato Bay of Plenty. The Waikato yeah, Bay of Plenty. I mean, got that, plenty riding on it as well. Yeah, but I mean, whoever wins that basically gets, gets a home advantage in the, in the, in the quarters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they play each other. Yeah, but yeah. It's regardless, just whereabouts it is, where it is, right. yeah. So, so yeah, so, yeah the, plenty to play for there. You know, the beauty no, of the draw. That's right. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and there's no better, I guess, um, pathway to to progressing in the competition. It's much easier when you're on your own familiar track in front of your own supporters. So, lots to play for in the game coming up following these two. Yeah, how do you, uh, who do you fancy? Oh, I agree with what. Uh, a few people have said, um, Graham from Canterbury and, and Nisbo in particular, who we asked about mm. you know, title contenders, um, Waikato have been on the drift in recent weeks and uh, they haven't looked the side they were looking early in the season. But, but good sides are always capable of finding their pathway back pretty quickly and they've got too much talent in that side to, to, to stay in this slight rut that they're in. So, but Bay of Plenty, they when they get on their game, they're they're a very good side and they yeah. play in a good brand of rugby. Um, look, I would if I was if I was sticking my two cents worth in, I'd say Waikato would probably get the job done. But they won't have it all their own way on the after on, uh, this afternoon. Yeah, well, the, I mean the uh, TAB have got them at a dollar forty seven favourites, and Bay of Plenty at two seventy. Um, oh, there you go. There's that um, little French women's rugby world, world cup, cup bets. Backup bet. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the one. That's the one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I like that. And there's mm. a, how's this? Two or more tries to be scored in the first ten minutes has uh, has been boosted. The odds. Wow. Paying nine bucks. There you go. Yeah, it's been like I said, it's been a, a very entertaining round with plenty of tries being scored. So yeah, there's mm. a lot to look forward to in that yeah. um, final game for yeah. the for the round. And you can get both plenty plus five and a half points for a dollar ninety two. There you go. 
There you go. That's that's where we're going. We know what we're doing once the show finishes, Ricardo, aren't we? We're going to re-look re at all these things. Yeah, we are. We are. We're going to have to, mate. I've, I've actually got a uh, a three-leg multi which finishes on Wellington winning their game. So, um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I didn't exactly put my neck out. I backed Auckland to beat the Naki and Canterbury to beat Otago. Oh, so, well, that was looking a bit dubious at half-time yeah, in that uh, Auckland game, wasn't it? But they, they really got their mojo in the second half, Auckland. Played with the conditions and elements at their back, though, didn't they? And... Um, uh, they looked uh, a much different side in the second half. Yeah, yeah, they did. I, they they really, I mean, because I was at a 50th, as I said, and yes. I looked at my phone, I was like, 17-3 at half time, there's my multi. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good at all, but uh, no, they came back. And they, they did, they, yeah, they, they had they, a very good second half and no. uh, played the conditions well, so, uh, you know, they certainly would be wanting that with what the, they're looking at facing in this big uh, battle of the bridge at the weekend. Yeah, actually, there's a guy that uh, usually he runs around for the Blues, um, but he's playing for Wellington in the NPC. Um, uh, Tane Plumtree. Yes, big six. Uh, yeah, really athletic, good yeah. ball skills. Is is he another one that's a smoky? I mean, we're pretty well stocked in the in the Lucy's zone. Yeah, we? well, it's interesting, you know, because do you again do you bring in the likes of uh, Billy Harmon, uh, mm. Tom Christie, as two players that were mentioned previously. Uh, uh, is it, um, now forgive me because we, we have so many players in the system at the moment, but the, uh, is it Kalakai, the number oh, eight? Yeah. Oh, Lakai. 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 Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and, and excuse me, I didn't mean to get that wrong, but like I said, you go through so many players when you're doing this competition, but he looks good. Yeah. Uh, the number eight from Wellington. Uh, you know, a genuine number eight. Uh, so, you know, another, another one's Hoskins Tutu, you know. What do the All Blacks do? With Hoskins, with Hoskins well, or Peter Gus, for that matter. They've yeah, been, I mean, Peter he didn't Gus. really get a decent shake. I didn't. Think. No, he didn't. No. Um, so you know, do, do they enter into that New Zealand A situation? Yeah. Um, yeah, plenty to chat about in that, and and it'll be a fascinating team when it comes out. Well, it will be, and I guess you know that's the other thing. They made uh, Sam Whitelock captain right for that last game, Bledisloe game, yep. and I thought he should have been captain from from the off when they when they changed captains because yep. his first name on the sheet he often plays eighty minutes. He does. Uh, he's you know one of the best in his position. And I don't think you can say the same about Sam Kane with the depth we've got at at, at loose forward. I mean, do they make that change permanent? Yeah, it's a it's a big uh, question to ask, and it, it's a relevant one though, and and simply because now the way that the loose forwards are that that there is much more need for impact in yeah. those jerseys. And, and that means, yes, a player leaving the field 20, 30 minutes to go. And and that, and that you don't necessarily always, in tight test matches, want to be your captain, you know, your most experienced guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Justin, thanks again for coming in, mate. Good to be here, Ricardo. Good to have you in the studio. Uh, this has been uh, the Rugby Run. We do it every Sunday from 1 till 3 here on SENZ. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.